Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. When I was a kid growing up, we were, or people like me who loved movies and movie stars, addicted to these magazines. We had all these magazines which told you about your stars and your movies. Television hadn't reared its head fully so that a lot of time was devoted to film and to the people who made them and who were in them. And we loved it. And no one loved it more than Shelley Herman, who is has been a part of showbiz since she was a kid. She has a new book, My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page. And it may seem like when you think about it, a menial job. But I remember as a kid, when we would go to Radio City, but before that, my mother would sign up for some kind of tour. And we would see all these pages. And I thought, oh, I want to do that. I want to be that. And it was all about the magic of Hollywood and the access that these kids had. It was Hollywood of the 1970s. And Shelley was herself, what, 20-something years old? And you were a page out of Burbank. I was so lucky to get that job, and and I would encourage anyone who's looking for an entry-level position into showbiz to to apply for it because um, it's very difficult to get in. I'll start with that because presently they say they receive about 16,000 applications a year. And now what they have you do is you do a little video saying why you could be the perkiest page they ever hired, you send in your resume, you send in your your CV from your schooling, and then, and I love this about NBC, what they're doing, is if they think that you're a good candidate to be a page, if you don't live in Los Angeles or New York, they'll fly you to L.A. or New York, all expense paid, put you up in a hotel, so that you can interview with the human resources people in person. It sounds great. And what was the obligation of a page? What did you have to do? You certainly had access to all kinds of stars. Oh, we had the keys to the kingdom back in the day. That's why writing this book was was kind of necessary because we we could go backstage at the Tonight Show, Midnight Special, Hollywood Square, Stanford and Son. And when we weren't doing that, we were giving tours of the NBC Burbank facility. They still have the tours at 30 Rock, but unfortunately, uh, Universal Studios took over the tours out here. Uh, And then the other thing, which is what the NBC page program started out to be, is an executive recruitment program. So the pages have the opportunity to do little internships in different departments within NBC and, and the different stations that NBC owns, like Bravo and USA. So you get to see how 
certain departments function, maybe even press and publicity. It's the best grad school anyone could ever hope to go to. Right. And you got to see the beginning of a lot of people's careers because I used to love the late night shows and they were different in those days. They they could pick up someone on the street and turn them into a star or introduce you to a comedy. You met people you would never meet ordinarily. And I'm sure for you guys, it was the opportunity of a lifetime. Well, and uh, if your uh, listeners have never seen Freddie Prinze on his first appearance on The Tonight Show, they can get that clip on YouTube because here was a guy, he was starting to work on his comedy act at the age of 15. He was 19 years old when he went on The Tonight Show, and he almost didn't get on because Fred DeCordova, who was the executive producer, took one look at Freddie Freddie Prinze, and he sees this long-haired guy with a mustache wearing blue jeans and kind of slovenly looking, and he says, Johnny's not going to like this guy. No, 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 he's not doing the show tonight. And Peter LaSalle overrode his decision uh, because Jim McCauley, who was the talent coordinator uh, who looked out to discover new comics, he had been helping Freddie hone his act. Um, there's a difference between a nightclub appearance and a TV appearance. And Jim got him ready for the show. And in a blink of an eye, Freddie became a star overnight. James Comack, who was an executive producer, he did the courtship of Eddie's father. He called The Tonight Show the next day and he said, I'm developing a show about a curmudgeon mechanic and a young guy who tries to soften his rough edges. I found my Chico. Mm. Unbelievable. And you had people... Like, I adored her. I loved comedy, and she was one of the first and best, Gilda Radner. Oh, there's such a funny story in the book about Gilda. I mean, at the time Gilda came out to California, she was the the second brightest star next to Johnny Carson that NBC had. And my friend Pete Hammond picked her up at the airport in a limousine, brought her to a press and publicity tour they were having at the Sheraton Universal. And she finished up kind of early. And she turned to Pete and she said, I've never been to Hollywood. I have four hours before my flight. Show me Hollywood. So Pete grabbed two of the other female pages that were working the event, Linda Levinson and Melissa Hunt. They jumped in his Mustang. Gilda put on dark glasses and a hoodie. And they went to the Chinese theater and she was able to put her handprints and her footprints with all the other celebrities. They were eating falafels and Westwood and donuts and just having this wonderful experience. And Pete's car ran out of gas. So Pete said to the girls, get behind the car. He sat there and steered it. And here's Gilda Radner pushing his car. Oh, my gosh. That is funny. That, that is really funny. And you said that you guys, the pages and people in those jobs, were there to help the celebs maintain their images. And you were the protectors, if you had to be described in any way. Oh, yeah. Um, we were basically NBC's ambassadors. And um, there were more than a few occasions when we would be 
accompanying celebrities to the uh, Rose Parade um, New Year's morning, and some of the celebrities weren't uh, quite over their partying. And, you know, we had to get them in shape so that they could go out and, and do their interviews and be on the floats and things like that. Uh, uh, there's times when sometimes uh, the, the pages would have to try, like, there's a, I have a story about uh, one of the pages was told, sit at this table. Do not let anybody else sit here. It's for the president of NBC. And Zsa, Zsa Gabor came by. And Zsa, Zsa wanted to sit at the table. And she got very belligerent with my, my page pal, Jeff Garrett. And um, Lucy Arnaz came by and came to Jeff's rescue. And she went over and she says, oh, Zsa, Zsa shut up. <laughs> Zsa, Zsa shut up and got up and left the table. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you have a zillion stories, many of which are in the book. Were you treated well by the stars and by the people, the execs who were running these shows? We, we were treated very, very well. And even if we were to see some of the celebrities outside the studio, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, there was uh, Robin Williams was exceedingly generous to me. Um, a friend of mine wanted to try out to be a part of the comedy store players. And she said, come with me. I'm nervous. So I went with her. And part of being there is you had to get up on stage and perform a little bit. And Robin was there as kind of a, you know, bouncing ideas off of Robin to see if you could keep up with Robin. So Robin looked at me. I'm sitting in the audience. He pointed to me and, like, gave me that look like, come on, let's, let's play. Come up on stage. And um, I had a great time. My friend did not get called to be in the comedy store players, and I did. Oh, that's amazing. And was yeah. that the and beginning of something very important in your life? Um, not in the way you might imagine, because the very next day I broke my leg. Oh, no. How? Playing ping pong, of, of right. course. That's, that's <laughs> such a contact sport. But, um, you know, the expression break a leg is supposed to be good luck. Right. And, and for me, I, I thought that's it. My life is over. But and this is I, I still kind of get tingly when I think about this. Um, I adored Harry Chapin. Uh, and every summer I would go to the Greek theater to hear him sing. And one of my page friends, George, said, I got us tickets to go see Harry. And I said, I can't. I'm in a cast. I'm on crutches. He goes, no, you're coming. So he got me tickets front row, and I stuck my leg up on the, mm. on the little barrier that protected right. him from the audience. Went through the whole show, had a great time. And the next day I see that Harry's on The Tonight Show. So I said to George, oh, my gosh, we have to go see Harry and tell him how much we like the show. So we went backstage after his appearance. And before I could even open my mouth, Harry pointed to the cast on my leg and said, you were at my show last night. Oh, <laughs> So <laughs> I got funny. to talk to my hero. I adored Harry Chapin. And um, it's, it's through Harry, and I kind of, when I wrote the book, I was just kind of writing stories. And, and as you know, when you're writing something, it kind of tells you what it turns into. And, and Harry Chapin was right, because all my life's a circle. And I started out 47 years ago doing something, and it has come full circle now. Shelley Herman. And it was when you wrote your book, or, and now it's out, 
and look back, it had to be a very different time in the entertainment world. We're talking mostly about the 70s, right? It was very different. Primarily the security um, was virtually non-existent back then. Um, we as pages were told that when Johnny was doing the monologue, that we were to stand with our back to Johnny, and we were to look out in the audience to see if anybody had a weapon or if somebody was going to try to rush the stage. There were, there were really no heavy security guards or metal detectors or anything like that. But at the same time, it gave us such access to people. I mean, here I was like a 20-something kid, and I'm backstage at the Emmy Awards having just brought Emma Jean Coca and Sid Caesar in a limousine. Um, I, I, I helped John Travolta backstage. I have it detailed in the book during a very difficult time. And the evening finished off with me escorting Alfred Hitchcock onto his place backstage just before the curtains opened and he made a surprise appearance. Where else does that happen? Mm. Unbelievable. Did a lot of the pages go on to bigger and better? I'm going to say that anybody who has a chance to be in the NBC page program, whatever they do in the future, they're so well prepared. Uh, there's a, a gal right now, uh, Sherry Steinkellner, who uh, she won an Emmy and she wrote for Cheers. And she has a play that is um, in, in rehearsals now to go on Broadway. She, she uh, co-wrote Sister Act with her husband. Oh. And she's now going to do the show Summer Stock. So that's coming to New York. Uh, Pete Hammond, the one who had Gilda right. push his car. <laughs> he um, is uh, a very renowned uh, journalist. And he writes for Deadline Hollywood. Uh, many of the people I worked with are producers and writers. Um, some of them even went into, like, uh, my friend Roxanne Moster, uh, for 20 years did public relations at UCLA Medical Center. And, you know, when, like, when Michael Jackson passed away or there were uh, a thing, there was a big story about conjoined right. twins, Operation Men. She was like the press liaison between UCLA and the media. So her experiences at NBC helped her in her, in her career. Wow. And so doing this book must have been a real kick for you because you had to rediscover your past and probably because of Zoom and various other things, find people you hadn't been in contact with for years. It was such a blessing because the group of people that I still see on a regular basis, I, I feel sorry for our, our spouses and, and children and grandchildren because they've heard the same tired old stories right. <laughs> all these years. But with Zoom, we reconnected with our old colleagues and we heard so many more stories and people kept saying, somebody ought to write this down, somebody ought to do a book. And, you know, I wasn't doing anything during the pandemic, so I figured I'll, I'll give it a shot. I've never written a book before. But you knew you could write. I knew I could write. I knew I could be uh, funny and I knew I could be very genuine, too, because um, this book is something I think every young person should read who's trying to get their first job. It's what mistakes not to make. It's also, I like to say, if you're going to go for a job, put on your Lucy Ricardo thinking cap. 
because Lucy on I Love Lucy, if she had something in mind she wanted to do, she found out a way to do it. My only caveat to that is find out a way to make people want to see you, not have to see you. And I, I'll give you a perfect example of that. Um, there was an executive at NBC at the time who was the hot young Turk, Dick Ebersol. And I was trying to get a meeting with his secretary, and I just couldn't get through, and she just never would let me meet with Dick. So I'm driving home from work one night, and I'm listening to talk radio, and I hear our next guest is Dick Ebersol. So, like, I <laughs> get off the freeway, start putting money in the payphone, and told the call screener that I had a silly question about Saturday Night Live. And when they picked up the phone, I said, Hi, my name is Shelley Herman. I'm a page at NBC Burbank, and I've been trying to get in to see Dick Ebersol for months now, but his secretary won't let me see him. So, Dick, will you promise me right now on the air that you'll take a meeting with me at your office? And he said, yes. <laughs> That's a weird, crazy story. But did it work? Did you meet with him? I met with him, and I asked for, he said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, well, I'd like you to mentor me. I'd like to be able to make your vision come to life. And when you retire, I want to continue your vision at the NBC network. And he said, well, the first thing you have to do is leave the network. And I had just got there. And he said that they will value you more if you have outside experience and come back than if you just stay there the whole time. But I wasn't ready to leave yet. So I just took my experiences from NBC and parlayed that into what became my Next. career as a writer. I, I was able to, I was nominated for an Emmy. Um, I've guest starred on TV shows as an actor. I've written comedy for people. It's, I run a teleprompter. Uh, I've kind wow. of been like a Jill of all trades that way. So now that you've got your new book and a couple of other things, what if you could do anything you wanted for the next step? What would it be? You know, I, I'm really pleased with the feedback I'm getting from the book, and I really think it would be a fabulous TV series. Uh, I know that Tina Fey had her success with 30 Rock, and it was kind of, um, you know, whimsical the way that she did it. But I, I see my book more as kind of a sex in the city meets Mad Men kind of thing. Right. because. Even if, with all the showbiz stories, there's some good sexy stories in the book, too. And uh, I, think, I think that uh, a lot of young women would appreciate some of these experiences that I had where, um, you know, you think you're doing the right thing and it backfires on you. <laughs> you know? But you learned and went, got up and went on. Oh, you have to. And at this point, I can look back at a, on it and laugh. Um, but... Um, you know, and there was a couple like a Me Too things that happened as well, and I managed to get out of those situations gracefully. And I was there doing my job when these things happened. I wasn't like going to somebody's hotel room or right. meeting them in a back alley anyplace. So it's a cautionary tale that way for, for men and women who are getting into the business. Well, you did a good job. This is Shelley Herman. My Peacock Tale, Secrets of an NBC Page. And so many people whom we watched and many of us came of age during the early days of the late night shows. It's a real, a real adventure and a lot of lessons to be learned. Congratulations. 
All the best to you, Shelley. I look forward to talking to you again. I would love that. And this has been a real honor speaking to you. Thanks, Shelley. And I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC Radio. More ahead.